Hello, this is Aurora, the producer of Lime Ninja Radio. And before we get started, I wanted to let you know that you're going to notice changes in the podcast. You see, we have shifted over to recording episodes on Facebook Live. So what you will be listening to is a live recording that we have uploaded for you to enjoy. Hey, it's McKay. Have you ever noticed that for whatever reasons, things just get stuck? Nothing seems to work anymore, and your healing journey grinds to a halt. That's why I put together a brand new program to help you get back on the healing path. It's called the 3-Day Lyme Reboot. This program isn't for everyone, but if you can get away for a long weekend and have about 3000 bucks to invest in your healing journey, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com forward slash reboot to see if it's a good fit for you. Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Healing from Lyme disease isn't about doing a million different things. It's about finding the few things that work and then sticking with it. Since 2015, McKay Rippey has been encouraging folks to never give up. Lyme disease causes all kinds of problems and focusing only on killing bugs leads to diminishing returns. That's why generic cookie-cutter treatments don't work. You need to fight Lyme like a ninja. If that sounds like a plan, keep listening. And if you want to know more, visit us at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Here's your host, McKay Rippey. Hello, everybody, and good evening. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio Live. Hope you have your water with you, keep you hydrated. It's the most important thing you can do. Tonight, I am very, very excited to have a special guest with us. It's Dr. Jennifer Platt, and she is a doctor of public health, which is really cool. I'm going to explain why in a second, but let me let me read you her bio first so I give you a sense of who she is. And we're going to have a discussion about preventing tick bites and not getting sick in the first place. And maybe that's the most important thing about Lyme disease and all the other diseases that come along with ticks and bug bites in general is to not get it. So if you can avoid getting bit in the first place, then you don't have to go through the H-E-L-L of having Lyme disease. So this is who Jennifer Platt is. Dr. Jennifer Platt has decades of experience in public health and environmental program development. She has led the creation of a nationally recognized award-winning education program, and she has spoken extensively to audiences of all sizes. Jennifer has always had an interest in environmental issues and improving human health, and she has spent her career using systems thinking approaches to solve complex health problems. She also has personal experience with tick-borne illnesses, and that led her to create Tick Warriors dot com which is a website in 2016 and she sells great products on there they're eco-friendly tick protection things for people pets and property as she likes to say and so let's bring her on here let me switch over here back to the control panel and we'll bring up dr jennifer hi there hi mckay let me let me get rid of the scroll this thing across the bottom too so Let's see if I can figure out. This is, there we go. And there, there we are. I'm so excited you're here. This is such a timely topic. The snow is starting to melt melt here in central New York. The temperatures are above freezing. The sap's running. So we're excited. We're outside. But that means the rodents are coming out of their nests and they're bringing their infected friends along with them. So this is the perfect time to start getting prepared to not get bit. Yes, that's that's true. And actually, in in places like the so- southern United States, ticks can be biting year round. Anytime it's over thirty two, in fact, it's it's ticks are fair game, even it, at the northeast. It really is, uh, Jennifer. We have some people joining us, so I just want to say hello to them. Bring them up on screen for a second here. So Ken says hi, neighbor. Hi, Ken. How's it going? And Shannon McGraw, hi. Hi, Shannon. And of course, Aurora. How's it going, Aurora? I don't recognize that picture. That's my daughter, but she's saying hello to a horse there. So if you're tuning in with us, please go ahead. Let us know that you're here. Say hello. Let us know where you're from. 
we'd love to recognize you and see who's joining in. And that way we can give a little bit more detailed and customized talk about preventing because things are a little bit different depending on where you are in the country. Yes. Now, so this is interesting. We gave, we, my Lyme disease uh, support group that we have here in New Hartford, we gave a talk a couple of years ago up north a little bit. So up north, we get a lot of snow here in central New York, but mm-hmm. at what they what they call the northern tier, the Tug Hill area, they get that much more snow. It is like they get just so much snow. It's incredible. And there's a man up there is telling a story. He said, you know, you're, you're talking ticks aren't active below freezing, but I was out snowshoeing and the temperature was only 10 degrees. I came home, he says, and pulled the tick off me. So this whole idea that they're not active at freezing, take it with a grain of salt. If you're out in the woods, if you're out in the edge is somewhere, the ticks could be active just depending on the animal that walked by or the foliage that's nearby. So just you're never safe. You got to always be aware. Would you yep. agree with that? I I absolutely do. And you, know, you can, so of course, ticks can can hunker down in the nice warm underbelly of a deer or the mice and, um, or under the snow. And you also have microclimate. So if the, if the sun's shining down and you have a, a really nice warm spot, the ticks are, it's going to be warmer than, you know, it's going to be warm enough in that particular little area, even though the air temperature may be below freezing. Yes. And there's the whole conversation about, the climate changing and getting warmer. And so the habitats of ticks may be expanding. The other interesting thing I heard from an entomologist or tick expert from the university of Maryland, he said that there, the Lyme, particularly the Lyme bacteria gives, we've heard of heat shock proteins, right? They're help animals and ourselves deal with heat. They're cold shock proteins. Mm-hmm. And so the Borrelia gives the ticks a cold shock protein. So it's actually more resilient to the cold weather. And that's just, they're scary enough. These ticks is like, they don't need any help, but it seems like Lyme disease is just everybody's worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, ticks have been around for millions of years. They found them in, in amber encased in amber, you know? So, so there is, it's clear that they are, they're going to be doing the cucaracha with the cockroaches after, you After know, we're all gone, right? <laughs> you be the ticks and the cockroaches together. It's it seems that way. So, will you give us just a brief overview of the life cycle of the tick and how they move from different types of mammals and how they end up close to your home or in your home or on your pets? So, you know, McKay, I'll. I'll give you a very brief version yes. of that. And because I, I know there are thousands of iterations, but like, it's what's the true? It's true. And the, the thing is that, um, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that there's two main ticks that are causing the bulk of the problems right now. We have the black legged tick, of course, and that's the tick that's primarily responsible, according to current understanding, for transmitting the Borrelia. And it is very predominant in the northeastern United States, but it is all the way down the eastern U.S. And, you know, if you go out west, you've got the western black-legged tick, and it has really a two-year life cycle. And in the northeast, they know that, when you know, the, the larval ticks are traveling around on mice, and then, you know, as they get bigger, they... they um, Ticks always need a blood meal to hatch to the next life cycle stage. So when they're born, they're the larva. They have a blood meal, then they transform into nymphs. When they're larvae, they only have six legs. When they um, feed on a meal and then they um, hatch or molt again, they have eight legs. So they're arachnids. They are in the spider family. Um, And so the nymphs, are the next stage. And then when the nymphs feed, they become adults. So uh, for the black-legged tick, that takes about two years. The other tick in town, as far as I'm concerned, is the lone star tick. And that one is very famous because the female has the the white dot on her back. Um, The life cycle 
isn't quite as long for that one. But it, of course, it when it's born, it has six legs. It needs a, a meal, and the 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 big difference between those two is that the land star tick can thrive all life cycle stages on deer, and so you know deer are tick factories, and they are they have such a large range. They're picking up the larvae larval ticks they're transmitting them far away the nymphs and then the adults and that's a big difference between the two the lone star tick is also very aggressive the black-legged tick is very docile hanged around in one place does the thing that they call questing waiting for animals to come by right and the lone star tick is a hunter it will sense co2 from up to 100 feet away i kid you not It'll raise its front legs and come. And I've often said um, it might be a good thing that we really can't see them <laughs> that well because there are, I know there are places when you walk outside and there are lots of Lone Star ticks. Yes. <laughs> now, and but let's clear this up a little bit. It's not they're not like a mosquito and can cover that hundred feet in two seconds and zap you they they still have to crawl right now they're i, I understand yeah, they're more they're aggressive wild. but if you're out if you're out camping or sitting or in a blind hunting or something like that they will hunt they, as opposed to the black leaded tick that'll just sit there and say god i hope the hunter comes down of his blind the lone star tick will crawl up there and try to find you yes yeah yes yeah. exactly i mean i, I had a, a a guy who was a, a mechanic and he's working on his gravel driveway you know underneath the truck and he said they eventually come wow. <laughs> you know he'll be out there working and then all of a sudden the ticks have shown up because they sense come so what's the best way to keep a tick from crawling on you so prevent that is there something that'll repel them or kill them what do you recommend yeah so you know, we've all been conditioned to move, to use repellent on our skin. And what um, one of the main reasons I started Tick Warriors is we now have moved beyond just protecting our skin and using repellents on our skin. There's a whole um, multi-pronged approach that you can use to protect yourself your pets and your property. So in addition to repellents on our skin, we all know about the various colors that can be used on pets. But I started Tick Warriors because there are uh, safe and effective natural ways to do that. And I, I really want people to know that that there is, we have moved beyond just repellent, like you said. So, so let's start there. Let's start with the repellent, the person, mm -hmm. and then let's go out to okay. you know, let's say your 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 pet, and then yeah. let's talk about keeping them out of the yard. Because really, it doesn't matter what setting you are, you're going to be there, whether you're you're in your own yard or whether you're out, you know, taking a walk in the woods. And that's the other thing. I mean, you know, you talk to some people now; they've gotten bit a few times or had Lyme disease or even just terrified. It's almost like the coronavirus, right? People are terrified of going out. And these, yeah. you can't let these ticks run your life. It's it's important to be educated and take precautions, but it, it can be prevented, you know? Yeah. And, and even even if you do get bit and get infected, if you get treated early and you know what, what you're looking for and you're aware of the risk, the problem is, the worst problem I've, I've talked to, and I'm sure you've talked the same thing, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people, the worst problem is when somebody says, gee, could this be Lyme disease? And an expert says, nah, it can't be. We don't have any in this area or you don't have the right, you know, the, 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 the local public health says there's nothing in this area. So therefore you don't have Lyme disease. It could, couldn't be Lyme disease, couldn't be Borrelia, couldn't be Bartonella. That's impossible. And then so they go through years and years. And by that time, the, the infection has spread and taken root and it's, it, it's so hard uh, it's, you know, it's like getting dandelions out of your lawn. It's so hard to get it out once it's in there. Right? Yeah, this, yes, it's true. That's true. Uh, and um, Okay, so what do you got? So, so what we've got is the first step is personal protection, right? 
this is a repellent that has actually been on the market for quite a while now. It's called BioUD, and the UD stands for undecanone. Um, that is one of the handful of CDC approved ingredients that is not only safe enough for pregnant women, but it is all natural. That it comes from the wild tomato plant. And this product is the repellent. And the thing about this that's different from pretty much all other repellents on the market is you can use it on both your skin and your clothes. So that, that's what I was going to ask. That's safe to put on your skin. Yes. So you put it on your skin and you put it on your clothes. And my, I have an 11-year-old now. He's been trained for many years now. The bottle is always by the door. When he goes outside, he knows he's spraying from you know pretty much toe to shoulder. Uh, this is because it's natural. It's not going to last six to eight or 20 hours like deep will, right? Okay. Okay. Treat it like sunscreen and reapply it every couple of hours. And, um, you know, one trick that I've seen tickencounter.org is a really great website for overall for the A to Z of ticks. And uh, one of the tricks I've seen uh, Dr. Tom Mather advise people to do is you actually kind of roll up your uh, your sleeves and your pants legs and spray the inside and uh, then roll them back down. Yep. So that's a you know additional protection as well. If they're if they happen to be crawling up, they're going to be repelled. And so, them. what do you think of the permith- permethrin soaked and treated clothing? Um, so I'm, you know, I feel like there's a time and a place for everything and it's people always have to weigh the risks versus their needs. And, um, my big caution for people on using the permethrin clothing is if they're going to, to plead, I have seen studies where they're finding the permethrin in your sweat. So, you know, down here in the humid South, it's very difficult if you're going to be out working in hot, sweaty field conditions. Um, you know, problems can't be solved at the level they're created, right? I don't want then people exposing themselves to permethrin because they wore clothes that were treated and then they start sweating a lot. So I really advise people if they're going to be using the permethrin treated clothing to please try not to sweat. <laughs> That, yeah, good, good luck. But but then have it on something like shoes. Yeah, you know, shoes yeah. or you know the out the outside of of pants. But but you you're really saying be careful not to put it where it can get in contact with your skin and then get rehydrated because you put it on, you're supposed to let it dry. But if you sweat again, it gets rehydrated and then it can, can right. transfer. Is what you're saying, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Boots and shoes are great. That's a great application for the permethrin. Yeah. If you don't want to go with the you know the natural route. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got we've got this great product. You can put it on your skin. It's all natural. It repels. You know, so maybe you've got some permethrin, permethrin. I can never say it right. It's P-E-R. I know. I, I want to say pro, but it's per, permethrin or something like yeah. that. And you you put that on the outside of, the, of your boots. You know, if you got socks outside your pants, if you're one of those people, you can do that. Now what What's the next layer out to protect yourself? Okay, like, so we have people, we have pets, pets, uh, and we Pet, have pets yeah. are pets are I think the sneaky vector for Lyme. I yeah. really do. I think I think we really have to be careful of of what we're letting in and out of our house on our on our animals. Absolutely, and you know I always laugh when uh, when you see a research study that that shows something that we pretty much already knew. But they had to. (laughs) But you have to test it, right? Water is hot, but you have to scientifically prove it, right? So I went to a conference last year, and it said um, uh, pet owners are more likely to contract tick-borne diseases. (laughs) I had to laugh because it's so obvious, right? But they did prove it. um, That, of course, the ticks are 
coming inside on the animals and then they like to go to the humans, especially those lone star ticks. So, uh, because they like this, they're, they're heading towards the CO2. Um, so of course there are the conventional callers, um, that people are using. I've got a couple of products that, that we're using at tick warriors that I stand by and I use them on my own animals. Um, the first one is called ticks off. And I don't know if you can see the label there is too slick for ticks is their tagline. That's so what they, uh, what the woman that invented this came decided, she said, you know, she said to herself, she said, if the ticks can't latch on to the animals and, um, get onto the animals, then they can't come inside. Right. The problem with a lot of the, the chemical callers is that in, while they're in the process of dying or, you know, until they've bitten the animal, they can, you know, they're, they're not going to die until they've bitten the animal. And in the meantime, they can still get onto the humans. So this you rub into there first, almost like a conditioner. And there's a couple of, they've got lavender smell and uh, eucalyptus. And you just, you rub it into their fur once a week and it keeps their fur nice and soft. And the ticks cannot, you know, they have little barbs on their legs, right? They cannot latch on to the fur. And it works on dogs and horses. <clears throat> so that's a, that's a nice idea. So this is a mechanical treatment so it's not so much that they don't like the smell or something you know makes them sick to their stomach or whatever to right. repel them but it's like they literally can't grab on it there's right. nothing they to grab, on. grab right. on to the dogs and also it works on horses sure so any anything so i would assume it work on a cat as well right so cats are a little bit tricky how come um, because they lick their fur and uh. You don't want to expose them to some of the essential oils that are, that are in a lot of the, the repellents. And absolutely, permethrin is toxic to them. So, um, so cats are tricky. And what I tell people to do with their cats is to give them coconut oil on their food. Coconut really? oil is a great repellent. And it just give them a dollop of coconut oil on their food in the morning and at night. And that's, you know, something so that's, a lot of that, people already yeah, have. That's like a $10 tip right there. So that one I had, I, that's new to me completely. So, yeah. co so if people consume coconut, does that work the same way? Or is it something special about the cat's digestion that gets it to I, their skin? Or do we know, have to rub ourselves all over with coconut oil? There hasn't, I, I haven't seen any studies. I just can tell you a, almost all of our products have coconut oil in them. Okay. Um, and I think it's just a great all around ingredient. To yeah. And since we're talking about cats, I, I want to highlight particularly the black legged tick doesn't love to feed on cats. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to sense a warm body grab on, right? Cause the black legged tick is really the, the zombie of ticks, right? It just, it's just reaching to grab and whatever comes by, it's going to latch onto. If it happens to be your cat, then it's going to hit your ride. Now it's not going to want to feed on it. So it's going to drop off. And if your cat's coming in and out, it may drop off in your bed, on your sofa, right on the living room rug, wherever. And then that ticks is going to start its questing behavior again, looking for yeah. another ride or you. Yeah. So just because ticks don't feed, particularly black lady ticks don't love to drink cat blood doesn't mean that they won't, your cat will not carry it into your house. Don't right. make that mistake, right? Right. And remember again, the Lone Star tick, it's not going to wait. It's going to seek you out. So um, I have to say that the, the Lone Star tick is taking over populations. I know of Leaf um, uh, historically black-legged tick population in very, very primitive areas of Martha's Vineyard that have now been taken over by the Lone Star Tick. Right, because the, the name implies that uh, you're just going to get that in Texas or somewhere in the Southwest, right? It's no longer yeah. the case. The habitat is really swung up east, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the, the Lone Star is because of the white dot on its back. It's oh, not even originated it's not even. out of Texas. It's a 
you know, it's just. See, that's a mistake I made. I assume. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is uh, you're the co-founder, your your friend, the co-founder of uh-huh. Tick-Born Conditions United. Yes, right? Beth Harrison. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She's very familiar with this tick because that's the tick that carries the alpha-gal allergy, right? Yeah. And this is, this is my worst nightmare is to get this. And so for those of you who don't know, the alpha-gal, you develop an allergy to mammal products, flesh, proteins. So you can't, that's it. No more burgers. It's like you're done or mm-hmm. pork, no pulled pork sandwiches. No bacon, it's like it's no, over, no bacon. I would just, I don't know what I would do. No medications uh, with gelatin in them, vaccinations, personal no jello. products. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and yeah. on. So, and, and these ticks can also carry the, the usual suspects as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, it's don't get bit. Right. Okay. So now we've got, we've got you coded. We've got your pet protected. Yeah. What about the yard? uh, You got more product real quick. Okay, Um, sure. And actually this is for both pet and people. This is called Toto. Um, It's funny. Okay. Toto tick on tick off is what that stands for. And this is, if you actually, um, uh, well, if you live in the South, you know what chiggers are. They're nasty. They're I got I got chiggers once as a as a young boy. Yeah, a week of no right. fun. Uh, <laughs> this is a great product for washing down at the end of the day after you've been outside, been out in the field, or stepped in a chigger nest or something. You can wash down with that. It's a soap, and you can also use it if you get a tick on you or your dog. Um, and spray it with that. It's going to kill it within seconds, and then just you know, grab it like you would anyway, and pull it out. Okay, so I have two questions. And first, yeah. actually, one is one is from the comments. And is the, do you know if the Lone Star Tick is in Missouri? Yes, the Lone Star Tick is absolutely in Missouri. Okay, mm-hmm. S- sorry, Missourians. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Lone Star Tick is largely up and down the eastern seaboard now as far west as Oklahoma at least and um up into Indiana I think M- Michigan I mean the Lone Star tick is is probably the east safely you can say the eastern half of the United States and, and let's pause there for a second because I want to highlight is you do trainings for companies mm-hmm. all over the place so yeah. that have workers outdoors, you know, they want to keep their workers healthy and safe. So they ask you to come in and do a training. So, you know, and I don't mean to insult people. There's so many people out there who have so much knowledge about Lyme disease and just an encyclopedia, but you have got that extra level of credibility of, and, and a research background in public health. You have a doctorate in public health from, uh, from UNC go Tar Heels. Um, (laughs) <laughs> go go heels right <laughs> so so i mean it's what you're saying is not just opinion it's fact based it's research based this is the real deal people pay you to give the information that we're giving out tonight it, it's true and from a from an employer perspective you know it seems like there's a, there's a obligation to train your workers on how and to provide protection aren't you know, avoiding ticks in the field. And honestly, um, McKay, everywhere I go, people are so hungry for the information. No pun intended, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, people want to know. They want to know about ticks. They want to know what kind of ticks are in their area, what, co- what diseases they're causing, how they can protect themselves and their loved ones. It's just so important. And it has flown under the radar. So that's one of the things that we're doing with our sister company at Tickborn Conditions United, which is a nonprofit. So it's the sister company to Tick Warriors. Um, we're doing the education and the research and the advocacy because those are also important as well as having the actual tools to protect yourself. Perfect. And well, well, to piggyback on what you just said there, I'm speaking to you who's listening to us on Facebook right now. In order to help us get this information out, if you leave a comment 
and hit the like button, what will happen, that tells Facebook that people are interested in what we're talking about and will help get the message out. So it's real important to get this message out to anybody. So just take a moment, just write any kind of comment. You can ask a question. We'll, uh, I'll pass that along to Jennifer so she can answer that if you have a specific question. Or if you just want to say hello, just type in a comment and that will help get this message out because these live sessions live on afterwards as a recording. And again, this is the time of year where the ticks are getting active. They're coming out. We're starting to get active again. I make a joke up here in central New York. You can tell it's spring because there's roadkill. <laughs> and I know how terrible that is, but it's the truth. The animals are out of their burrows. They're moving around and you, you know, you can smell that skunk from a, a mile away and oh. you, you know, that's the smell of spring up here. Oh, right. Spring. So if these mammals are coming out of their burrows, they've been feeding ticks all winter. The ticks yeah. are coming out and they're going to fall off and they're going to look for a new host. And that's, yeah. that's is when the interaction starts to happen. So it's not too early to be thinking about prevention. No. No, it's not. So should we talk about property? Absolutely. Yep. Let's do that really quick. And I know that we're, our time is winding down, but, um, whoops. Tick Warriors has two different products for nope. protecting your property. We have a yard spray, which is what you spray on your grass areas. And both of these products I'm going to tell you about tonight are literally safe enough to spray around your children and your pets. There's no dry time required. It's biodegradable, food-grade ingredients, and they will kill the ticks within 20 minutes or less. Um, it also kills mosquitoes, chiggers, cockroaches, ants, etc. So... And is it um, it's safe? It's relatively safe for children and pets, and you don't yes, have to the, you have to wait for it to dry or something. You don't have to. I've actually yeah. um, we've got a field service division, and we've we've had people out in the yard working, or children playing over on the swing set, or you know the cat walking through the yard. Um, the active ingredient is a soap and then it has citric acid and um, coconut oil and uh, all food grade safe ingredients. They're all considered EPA minimum risk ingredients. So that's, um, that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, um, I started Tick Warriors because I had a child myself when I got really sick and as sick as I got, I did not want to spray the yard with poisons. And when I ended up starting this company, I looked around until I could find a product that exceeded that first generation of green products. You know, we all have, or not all of us, but a lot of people that care about the environment have gone out with gumption and that first round of products doesn't always work. Right. But this. Yeah, absolutely. Generation I mean, that's, that's one of the, right. At Tick Warriors is safe and effective. And it works. We have, we have customers that have said it's been life changing for them. And yeah, being that. able to enjoy being outside because if you can't be outside, what is life about? Right. right? It's like, what's, what's the point? Like what you said, you, you, you gotta have the tools to, to go out and be safe, but also to know that you're protected. Um, the second yard ingredient yard product we have uh, pest control. And this is predominantly a repellent. It will kill the ticks, but it also repels. So that where you use this product, and I don't know if you can see it, the fine print there yep. on the camera no, or not, but not um, this is for your natural areas and your wooded okay. areas. So down here, a lot of homes have grass right around the, their, home, their house and then right. surrounded by woods. You know, we're kind of on the urban, peri-urban uh, interface, and then we have a lot of rural properties as well. So, so where this product is really good is to spray in those leaf litter, 
mulch areas and the first eight to 10 feet of the woods on your property barriers because that is going to repel the ticks. So first of all, it, it will kill them, but then also it has a, a residual that lasts for up to 30 days and it will repel the ticks. So we have people that spray as often as every month, especially during the peak seasons. And we have some people that spray once a year. It's all gonna depend on your particular property and what is going on on your yard and land. And since you bring that up, let's just, I mean, the basics are to help reduce, you're not gonna prevent, but around the house, if you keep the grass short, right? and allow the sunshine in and allow it to dry out. Don't keep it moist yes. 24 hours, That's that's seven great. days a week. That's it, great for the black-legged tick. Yeah. They, they really can't survive in that short grass. Um, again, the Lone Star tick, different game. It right. will go out into the grass. So that's why we like to have this two-pond approach in areas that have both kinds of ticks especially so you spray your grass you kill all the ticks that are there yeah. and or not all of them i'm gonna say we can never guarantee a reduction to zero but right it's all about risk management right? there is exactly it is risk management because you can always have a bird or a rabbit or squirrel or you know, dog, whatever, something comes through your yard and drops some other ticks. Exactly. And that is where the repellent is really nice to have the, um, the, the pest control because it will help repel other ticks that may enter in the area for whatever reason. Okay. So we are going to be winding down in a second here. If you have a question for Dr. Platt, please go ahead and type it in and we'll get it over to her. So I'll give you a minute or two to do that. Our system takes a, a second or two. There's a delay in that. So if you can do that. And if your question isn't getting through, you may be listening or watching this feed kind of on a, a secondary thing. So if you're on your phone, just tap the video itself and that'll bring you right to the comments that are actually attached uh, to the video. And then and then we can see them. And uh, yeah. while you're waiting for that, yeah. I can mention that we are giving a 10% discount off of Tick Warriors purchases on our website with the code Line Ninja. And whoops, right on. Hang on. I've got, I, I thought I put it up there. Oh, where did it go? I was all so proud of myself. I didn't save it. <laughs> Here, let me try it again. <laughs> Hang on. Here it goes. Add banner. There it is. So, yeah. See, look, how I fancy is that? Encourage <laughs> your listeners to, you know, go online, check out our website and our our store, and use that code to get ten percent discount. Yeah, we we'll also have five dollar flat rate shipping. So, does the the bug spray? And you've mentioned several of them, but let's talk about that that first personal repellent. Repellent yeah. is. Do you like soak your whole body, take a shower in it, or you know, are the wrists and arms kind of entry points enough? What do you do? So what we do is we just start down at our feet and we're spraying. It's a pump sprayer, so it's kind of like you know, I don't know what the good analogy is. It's like sunscreen. Yeah, sunscreen that's you know pump so spray. You, you spray. You spray everything. Yeah. Okay. So before you, so you you need a bottle by your dresser, you need a bottle by the front door, and then you need a bottle in your, in your backpack, yeah, yeah, or, or whatever, right? Car, so you always have it with you. Yeah. Okay, so let's show people your. Let's see if I can do this. Let's show people your website. Okay. And so that's you. That's what I was reading. Uh -huh. Let's go to the home page here. And that should look familiar. So this is TickWarriors.com. And this has all these products that we've been talking about. And again, for people, property, and pets. Yeah. And so this is the, let's bring up the first one here. This is the first product you talked about. The bio, how is it pronounced? Bio-UD or bio-UD? Yeah, bio-UD. Bio-UD. 
And so this is safe to spray on for pregnant women, for children. You don't have to worry about the toxicity like permethrin, uh, and you you don't have to worry about it not being effective. Right, right. And actually, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, let's see. Somewhere I've got a copy of my study. Um, they did a study where they compared those two uh, side by they com- compared permethrin and DEET and the BioUD on ticks effectiveness side by side. And the BioUD went toe to toe in terms of effectiveness that if a tick was actually forced to choose a cloth uh, between a cloth that was soaked with the DEET and a cloth that was soaked with the BioUD, it yeah. went to the DEET first. Really? Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to highlight, I was really impressed by you talk about is the Toto. Yeah. The mm-hmm. pet that, that prevents the ticks from latching on. And so that's super cool. The other thing that's interesting. So I really hadn't checked out your uh, website much before tonight. Uh-huh. The, stuff, the stuff is cheap. <laughs> 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 you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but um you know, it's there. It's not like thirty dollars a bottle or something, or forty-five, or a crazy price like that. Yeah, and you know the West, the yeah, the cost. Yeah, you're right. It's the cost of protection. Like this little bit amount of money, if you spend this up front and take those precautions, that's way cheaper than getting treated with a disease on the backside. Yep. Shannon has an interesting question. Can you use the yard sprays inside? Oh, great question, Shannon. Um, you know, they're predominantly outside products. The pest control product can be used to repel um, and to kill cockroaches and other things like that. I do because it's a soap base um, product. I I, you have to be careful about where you're spraying it. Like you might, you could spray it along baseboards and things like that. And looking at my baseboards, and, um, but it also works really great. I'm glad you asked that because um, the other thing that works really great on is livestock and also uh, poultry. So people that have farms can use that product really well to help with controlling tick populations and let me pull it up which one which so i don't get confused the yard spray or the pest control which one are we talking about the pest control product okay Mm -hmm. let me let me bring that up here come on there we go yeah i I have one client who has a, a pig sanctuary she you know um rescues wild pigs and um uh the when people you know when the the pigs first come in they can be really covered with ticks or they're out in the woods and they're not they haven't really been handled by humans much so they're pretty pretty wild and she's able to spray them from a distance with the pest control and just wait like 30 seconds and then she very quickly uses her hands and is able to rub off the ticks the dead ticks yeah, that's awesome. I'm thinking about our cows. I don't know how they are in ticks, but the fly problem. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've we used all kinds of different things for flies, including permethrin. And it would be nice to give them something a little more gentle that works. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and here's our last question. And is there a difference in kind of product blend for people who are just taking a walk? Like I know Aurora's got a do- Rusty the Rescue Dog. So they go on like just kind of gentle walks around the perimeter of the yard versus somebody who's, you know, going into the woods. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, do, is there a risk difference there or really are you as, as much risk taking the little yard walk as you are going into the woods? It's going to depend, right? It's really going to depend on your environment. I can see I will have a client who has almost no ticks on their property and hasn't seen any ticks for a while. And within a a quarter of a mile, have another client who has an almost infestation of ticks. So it just, 
it's really depend on the wildlife that you have in your yard. What, um, how, I think that we haven't looked enough at all the different ecosystem influences. Like if we were, um, if we had a healthy ecosystem, how that can influence and manage the tick population. So, you know, I hate, hate to say it, but it depends. Yeah. Well, it's the honest answer, right? As opposed to saying, no, this is, you know, let's make something up. Yeah. So, right. So, you, so you, you need to know your property. You need to know your environment. You need to be aware. And, you know, so you can talk to people who are out, neighbors, right? That's one thing. Sometimes the local health department will drag, do a tick drag through an area. So you can co- contact them and see what that's like. Um, you know, but you do, but that doesn't get down to what you're talking about, the micro environment, the microclimate. You, you might yeah. have an infestation of, I don't know, mice or voles or something like that. And I mean, we, so this is one of my favorite stories is we have barn cats and they did such an awesome job keeping away squirrels and chipmunks. And so we're able to put bulbs out and all kinds of fancy flowers and they stayed away. We rescued two dogs and the dogs kept the barn cats in the barn. And all of a sudden the rodent population exploded. I mean, exploded. And they ate, they ate everything. They ate all our flowers. It was terrible. So we had to figure out, okay, how, how can we get the dogs and the cats to be friends or to move the dogs out of the way so the cats can come back and take care of our rodent problem? And so that was that changed within you know six months to a year. Yeah. And we thought we had everything taken care of, but it like you said, the microenvironment is is really important. And I forgot this is our, my, my last question for you. And then I'm going to set you up. What I'm going to want you to do after you answer my question is I want you to give a, like a, a voicemail message to the Lyme community, to the community at large about your your take home message. What you like to tell them about tick prevention. So just put that in the back of your mind for a second. And so my last question is with you, and I asked this before we went live and I I forgot to weave it in earlier is what kind, can people release animals? Can people encourage different kinds of animals or fowl? And and what are they in particular to eat the ticks? Because ticks are food to somebody, right? Everybody's somewhere on the food chain. They they are. And what can we do? It's, it's a great question because, um, I've had more than one person say to me, what benefit are ticks in the ecosystem, right? So, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. They are food to to something else as well. And so, the, you know, I have a lot of people that say they have guineas. They have helped keep the tick population down with guineas. There's been some interesting research done out of Old Dominion where they they looked at the effectiveness of guineas and they could not prove that they were effective. And in fact, they actually found ticks on the guineas. <laughs> so the guineas were eating ticks, but then the ticks were eating the guineas too. But, um, you know, as, as far as natural controls with, we love opossums because they're going to eat ticks and they can eat thousands of ticks. It's, Hard to know if it's a season or in their lifetime, but but they're good at tick control. And, um, you know, even things like keeping snakes around because the snakes eat the mice, right, that have the ticks on them. So there's just a lot of nuances to the, to the ecosystem that we're really not taking into account. And, of course, deer the big problem with deer is they have no apex predators Anymore, in a lot, right. a lot of areas yeah. and their populations are going unchecked. Yeah. My, yeah. my aunt lives in a neighborhood uh, about an hour from here uh, that abuts a state park and the deer know it's a state park and they're protected and they just overrun the place. And it's like almost everybody in this neighborhood and the houses go right up against the woods there. So it's just, right. it's the greatest environment for ticks and it is. It's the that. interface between humans and ticks there yes. is it's terrible yes you've got it and um we've actually got a lot of development coming into my area and i'm concerned because as we lose more land cover there'll be more and more right. interface that edge between the humans and the 
you know, all the nature trails and the woods and the deer. We have a sign down the road in my in right in town that says, watch out for deer and walkers. Right? Because there's deer all <laughs> not, not deer, not deer with walkers, deers and walkers. <laughs> all right. One last well, I, I lied. One last question from Shannon. She's been so good and and hanging on. Thank you for staying all the way with us, Shannon. We appreciate you. So you get the last question, Shannon. And she asks, is it safe to use sprays around water such as small ponds, fountains, or swimming pools on the property? So that's a really technical question. That's a great question. It is. It is a good question. The pest control product can actually be used on waterways to help control mosquito larvae. Um, we have a lot of um, properties with ponds or um, that are using that for for the mosquito control, as well as for spraying around the edges, of course, for tick management. So it, it'll it'll kill the mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. or the ticks, but and not the koi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mosquito larva. Okay, excellent. All right, and now this is your this is your chance. So th- this is, just think of it as you, you've, called, you've called your favorite person up and you want to tell them, they ask you the question, what should I do for tick prevention? And you're, you're just going to answer it. You couldn't get them live, but you've got them on, on voicemail. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell them? Yeah, I would say that, you know, they, that really they need to know that they don't have to compromise their quality of life and they can still enjoy the outdoors with products such as the ones that we have at Tick Warriors. There are safe and effective tools out there to help give you the control and take back your life and be out in the environment, enjoying nature without being in constant fear of a tick bite. All right, Dr. Platt, thank you so much. It's been awesome. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk some other time soon. It's been a ton of fun. Thank you for so much for having me coming on live on Facebook with us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. 